Bing bong. I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast, and I am joined with special guest Kyle Murphy at the Bitcoin bum with an underscore after each word. And he brings the heat, man. He has done some incredible, incredible stuff in a short period of time in the Bitcoin space. He is just a pleb, just doing everything that he can. Uh, he started up Pleb Lab in Austin, Texas. So we talk about his goal to turn Austin into the first Bitcoin Citadel city-state. And we talk about Pleb Labs, BitDevs, the Austin Bitcoin meetup. And we get into Austin, see if he's actually a local or not, as I grew up there. Hint, hint, I don't think he's a local. But hey, he's doing great things for the city, so we'll let him stay. And then we get into six current event stories, and Kyle gives us uh, some his, some of his great insights about El Salvador hosting 44 countries to discuss Bitcoin, China holding a, still a significant amount of hash rate in Bitcoin, Block and Jack Dorsey uh, looking to create an economic empowerment with Bitcoin, CoinSource partnering with QuickTrip to put Bitcoin ATMs in stores, NFL player Alex Barrett taking a full salary in Bitcoin, and last but not least, a Texas land owner purchasing a bunch of land to mine Bitcoin. We get into all things Texas related and Texas forever. Now let's get into the show with Kyle Murphy. Whoosh. All right, we are live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. But before we get started, I want to shout out my node. My node is the easiest way to run a Bitcoin and Lightning or Bitcoin node and a Lightning wallet all in one. They give you both the hardware and software to do so. And they also are helping me put my podcast on podcasting 2.0. So if you're uh, listening, you know, on Spotify or YouTube or, or something along those lines and you want to uh, listen on Breeze or, or one of those podcasting 2.0 apps, I will be on there shortly, so be on the lookout for that and follow my Twitter account for updates on that as I will be rolling that out here soon. But I've got a very, very special guest waiting waiting in the room, and I'm really excited to talk to him right now, so I'm going to pull him on up. I got Kyle Murphy. Kyle, how are we doing today? Man, doing lovely, if not a little bit sweaty. Thankfully, I'm the only one in the room after that jog across town. Yeah, yeah. So why don't, we, why don't you tell us uh, like what all just happened? Because, uh, yeah, we... Uh, it was a slight delay with the with the stream. So those who are on, uh, you know, we had a little delay, but it's not because you were blowing me off or anything. It's because you're doing very important stuff there in Austin. So what were you doing? Yeah, so we have uh, some friends we've been working with for the last couple of months, kind of slowly but surely uh, introducing them to a Bitcoin standard. They actually reached out to me several months ago. Uh, it's a restaurant called Three Forks. It's a, it's a nice steakhouse across town. And they decided tonight was going to be the night they decided to officially announce a, a full Bitcoin standard. They're accepting Bitcoin payments uh, and Lightning payments at their establishment. So we got some news crews involved. I've been kind of getting followed around all day talking about the life of a Bitcoiner and kind of ha having the news kind of introed into like what Bitcoin actually looks like in the real world. And then we walked across town. We did a steak dinner. We had... I don't know, probably like 20 people at our table, a couple more that were at a table across. The only tolerable forks. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, we prefer beefsteak where we just eat with our hands. But um, yeah, so it was really cool. We had probably like 20 people show up, a couple more at a table across after we just literally ran out of room. And then strangely enough, just like completely out of happenstance, it also turns out that the whole Riot blockchain team was at three forks for dinner tonight as well. So there was probably like 30 Bitcoiners that showed up on the night they made their announcement for a Bitcoin standard. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And Austin seems like it's really full of Bitcoiners for sure. So um, let's bring it back. So how did you get to this point with Bitcoin and everything like that? Why don't you tell us a little bit of your backstory? Like who is Kyle Murphy? <laughs> who is Kyle Murphy? That's a great <laughs> question, man. Kyle Murphy's I mean, I guess he's the same every day, he, but he's also different every day. I wake up and have a new opportunity to just live life. Um, today, I'm a Bitcoiner, Bitcoin Maxi. I run Pleb Lab and I am kind of still the host of Austin Bitcoin Club, although we're in the process of shifting that into new hands, um, kind of a community driven event. And I want to make sure that it never really became mine. So 
Uh, we'll have somebody else hosting Austin Bitcoin Club here shortly. But basically, my backstory, um, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, left home at 18 with the military, came back in pretty sad shape, really kind of messed up after my time at war. Went down like a real dark path for a handful of years as like an aggressive, roid raging alcoholic, uh, hit rock bottom, found yoga, was introduced to Bitcoin in 2016 uh, by a young kid I was going through yoga teacher training with. Spent a couple of years uh, after that on this, let's call it a spiritual walkabout. I kind of just went around the US and around the world and Everywhere I went for four years, there was always some uh, person or group that would get into a philosophical Bitcoin conversation. And these two hour, four hour, six hour conversations just kind of continued to develop my understanding piece by piece of Bitcoin until in 2020, uh, the, the kind of collapse after the pandemic happened. I watched a bunch of my friends doing crazy things with money, day trading, all kind of madness. I got a little involved in Bitcoin, started paying much, much more attention to Bitcoin and the markets. Uh, probably within six months after getting into Bitcoin and the markets, I sold out of the markets, put it all into Bitcoin and three Ethereum. I held three Ethereum for maybe three weeks before I realized that it was just more of the same fiat that I had just sold out of moved everything I had left into Bitcoin and then realized I needed to do more. Uh, it didn't really feel like taking on debt and like gambling my Bitcoin. So the better option for me seemed like let's find a way to just add value to the Bitcoin ecosystem. Uh, I figured if I could make Bitcoin stronger, then my position in it would be stronger. I heard whispers in the wind about something called BitDevs that was happening in Austin. Uh, I came down to check it out. Saw 125 Bitcoiners in a room with no mask on, still relatively early pandemic, and I just never left. I was just like, okay, this is home now. And uh, yeah, within about a year, we within a year, I arrived 13 months ago now. The last year, we launched Austin Bitcoin Club. Austin Bitcoin Club. Oh, sorry. Austin Bitcoin Club spawned into Pleb Lab. Uh, the community showed up to Austin Bitcoin Club and wanted to get developers together more regularly than BitDevs. They threw around a lot of ideas. We just started exploring them and that turned into Pleb Lab, which is now, I mean, it's in, as far as I can tell, it's still the world's only Bitcoin Lightning focused accelerator program. So yeah, that's where we sit today. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I mean, I guess Austin just needed another yoga teacher. Is that, is that why? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Keep now. Austin Yogi. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, you already got into it a little bit about Pleb Labs, but it seems like your, you know, your Bitcoin journey—you've heard of it for a while, but you kind of started really going down the rabbit hole fairly recently, um, and it's kind of all blown up, it seems. Um, so, what what's kind of like, I guess, the, the craziest experience that you've had in the the Bitcoin realm, and uh, you know, how has uh, moving down to Austin, you think, like, kind of accelerated that? Yeah, two great questions. Um, moving to Austin accelerated it just because Austin had already kind of uh, started presenting itself through Parker Lewis and some of the team over at Unchained Capital as the, the kind of Bitcoin epicenter, right? They put out the Bitcoin signal and they started attracting Bitcoiners. And they did that because they kind of restarted their bit devs a lot earlier than anyone else in the country did um, during the pandemic. And what kind of ended up happening was there was a bunch of Bitcoiners around the country and around the world, frankly, that were kind of tired of the lockdowns and like wanted to get back together with their community and wanted to get around Bitcoiners and get back into things. And by starting back up significantly earlier than everybody else, it kind of took on this pilgrimage, if you will, where Month after month, people from SF and New York and Dallas and I mean, even out of the country were flying into Austin to plug into their community. And that signal just kept spreading. When I got here, I mean, again, that's it's what brought me. 
Um, I realized upon arrival and after a handful of bit devs that I was looking to be around Bitcoiners more than just bit devs. And I was looking for something less technical. Uh, that started Austin Bitcoin Club. And yeah, I mean, basically just showing up here where like people were already flocking in on a regular basis. I talked about it with a couple of guys that I met very early on in the Austin Bitcoin Club and, and earlier Pleb Lab days. And it was just kind of like, okay, we put the Bitcoin signal out there. We were telling Bitcoiners they should show up to Austin. And I think what we eventually landed on internally here at ABC and Pleb Lab was it was like the one thing that was kind of missing was like, then what? Like, right, we're telling Bitcoiners to move to Austin, but what next? Um, and that was our our answer to that question was like, let's get them organized and let's start really building things. Yeah, that's awesome. We got uh, Joey from the Canadian Bitcoiners in the uh, podcast in the crowd says, you know, I think Austin is the model for the Bitcoin community at the moment. Uh, there's, he says that in the great, great white North, they're looking at Austin and seeing what's going on. So, uh, you know, the, the Austin influence isn't just, uh, you know, maybe in, in the Texas area or anything like that. I think, you know, the way Twitter works and everything like that, uh, the word is spreading very quickly that Austin's quickly, quickly, quickly becoming, you know, the epicenter for Bitcoin as it, as it goes. And I actually grew up in Austin, so it, it's wild to kind of see it come from, you know, where it was. 20 something years ago to, to what it is now. Um, and it's growing quickly and it's not even just Bitcoin. I think, you know, like you said, with, with the COVID lockdowns and, and everything kind of staying open, a lot of the Southern states that stayed open, you know, I, I even think in Nashville and, and I'm in Tampa, Florida. So Florida, I know got a lot of uh, people moving down as well. Uh, a lot of Bitcoiners just kind of saw that as an opportunity to, to congregate in, in larger cities as well. So, um, yeah, good on you for, for doing all that and kind of uh, going through, uh, you know, organizing uh, Bitcoin meetups in Austin. But I heard you on TFTC last week with Marty Bent. Uh, so if you and the audience haven't heard it, it was a great episode. You should definitely go go and listen to it. But you said that, you know, you started going to bit devs and you're not necessarily a coder or maybe you wouldn't categorize yourself as like a technical you know, Bitcoin coder or anything like that, or developer. So what kind of, uh, I guess, inspired you or motivated you to start going to a Bitcoin uh, developer uh, meetup opposed to just, you know, the standard Bitcoin meetup where you sit and chat at, at a bar or something like that? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was, I just kind of fell really far down the rabbit hole. And uh, I didn't know anything about meetups anywhere. I just knew that I wanted to be around Bitcoiners. I wanted to learn more about Bitcoin. I kind of, I built for myself a lifestyle even before I was in Bitcoin where I kind of already had the sovereign thesis figured out. I've been mobile and kind of have had, uh, I mean, I mean, almost a decade now of kind of like, I have my time to do what I want with my time. And once I got into Bitcoin, I realized what I wanted to do with my time was Bitcoin. So I needed more. I just was like, where can I go to get around this more? And I was visiting family in Dallas, Texas. And really, it was just nothing more than Twitter. I was already plugged into Twitter. And the, the as you say, the kind of the Twitterverse was just really putting out this signal that was saying like, hey, there's something going on in Austin. And I was only three hours north. So I was like, I'm going down one Thursday to see what it's all about. And that the rest is history, man. It was just like, it was a no brainer after I got, got into a room with 125 other people who had a similar thesis on life and investments and everything else. So it was just like, okay, cool. I found, I found my spot. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, welcome to Austin. I actually have a shirt uh, from Tyler's. I don't know if you've checked out that place yet, but it says don't move to Austin. And so I rock that every now and then and people are always like, why, why are you wearing that shirt here in Tampa? But it's kind of, I guess, a local joke because of the influx of people that have just kind of been flocking for, uh, you know, quite a bit of time. So because you've only been in Austin for a little bit of time, I'm going to I'm going to quiz you now to see if you're truly a local Austinite just yet. Oh, boy. All right. So the big giant lake in downtown, what do you call it? Do you call it Ladyburg Lake or Town Lake? Oh, man, Ladybird. 
Yeah, Town Lake is is what the locals call it these days. So, I mean, that, that's what we always called it growing up. But all the signs around town always say Lady Bird Lake. So everybody that came in, you could always kind of tell that, um, you know, that, that that's where they would go. And then, uh, all right, so best tacos in town. This has probably changed for me because, you know, I haven't lived there in, in a few years. So you probably have a better answer that, for this than I do. Man, that's a really tough question to answer. There's a lot of good tacos in town. Breakfast tacos, hands down, grannies. Um, if I'm looking for something that's kind of closer to like an actual uh, like Mexican street taco, it's really kind of upscale. It's more Americanized, but it has a lot of the influence. There's a food truck called Discada. Uh, they literally only have one type of taco. It's the only variance in what you can order is how many of them you order, but I would say those are probably my top two. If I'm looking for kind of like a traditional street taco with a little bit of uh, Texas flair, discada. If I'm just looking for an excellent bacon, egg, and cheese taco, I'm going granny's, no question. There we go. Bacon, egg, and cheese. That's a that's a go-to. That's a staple in Austin, Texas is the breakfast taco. And I definitely do miss those. You don't get those anywhere else. I don't know why. but no, It um, is a staple, though. I had it like three times this week. Yeah. That's unbelievable. All right. So on South Congress, Big Top Candy Shop, have you been there? And what is the weirdest thing you've purchased there? Haven't been. Never been there. Wow. Okay. There we go. And then University of Texas, are you a fan or are you just, uh, you know, just a supporter of the city? I, I don't really love the university system in general, if I'm being honest. I think it's as broken as everything else. That being said, I understand how we landed in a broken system. Uh, if our base layer value system is fucked, every institution built on top of it will be fucked. I am trying to make inroads at UT um, for actually getting Bitcoin more integrated into it. So Pleb Lab has been making some connections. We're looking at working with Jimmy Song and D++ to actually create a Bitcoin only class in the engineering department, hopefully for this fall. And I'm going to try and keep connecting with more professors in the different departments because my kind of end goal is to create an entire curriculum where maybe we can get a, a Bitcoin focused, uh, some level of degree associates, bachelors, something. So I'm just going to keep working it. I am more optimistic on education outside of the system, but while the system's still there, I'm going to try and plug as much education into it as I can. Yeah. I mean, it's a big university. It's the, uh, you know, that in Texas A&M, that's where I went to, uh, to, to school and uh, arch nemesis as well. But uh, you know, I think the two biggest cities and our two biggest universities in Texas could definitely benefit from that. They, they both have really great engineering programs. So good on you for connecting with that, with uh, the university of Texas and doing that. I remember you mentioning that on TFTC now that you, that you say that as well. So um, yeah, hopefully that everything goes well and, and you get that class uh, up and running. My little brother's actually attending in the fall. So maybe I'll try to get him to, uh, to take the course and everything like that. Nice. Um, and then I got one more question before we get into our, or maybe, maybe it's a two-parter, but I got, so at Bitcoin Miami, you were on stage and it's actually your, your Twitter profile picture now. Why did you go up there and talk with your shirt off? And uh, yeah, what brought you to that point where you're just like, okay, I'm just going to go up there and uh, show off the guns. You know, man, I went back and forth behind stage for probably five minutes. It was like sleeveless ABC hoodie no shirt sleeveless ABC hoodie, no shirt. Eventually I threw the hoodie on and one of the like Bitcoin conference, like just employees behind the scenes was like, nah, no hoodie, man. And the moderator of the panel kind of laughed begrudgingly and was like, honestly, that's probably more on brand. And I had had this kind of thought process and ultimately like a message I've been trying to get out there everywhere that I can in the Bitcoin space that I thought I was able to deliver in the way that I did it shirtless, which was that like, look, dude, you can be a serious person and you can go and build serious things and you can do it without taking yourself too seriously. There's a lot of like doom and gloom and like just everything's bad all the time in a lot of what 
is still in Bitcoin from like the eras past. And quite frankly, I'm just kind of over it. Like I want to spread this message of like, hey, dude, actually things in Bitcoin are pretty great. Um, I've had a great time since getting into Bitcoin. I've been plugged into like a really great community since getting into Bitcoin. I know we still have room for improvement in Bitcoin. Like there's still things we need to build. There's still things we need to fix. There's still like value systems we need to build on top of it. But man, if you want to build all of that, we need to like make the environment a place people want to come and participate. And if it's just like all bad all the time, it's like, if you don't do this thing, you're going to have a bad time. If you don't do this thing, you're going to have a bad time. If you, if you do it this way, you're going to have a bad time. Like if that's the messaging all the time, man, it's just honestly, in my opinion, it's kind of stale. It's kind of boring. And I'm really, I'm just over it. So I went out there and a bunch of people who don't know me saw me get up there and look ridiculous and do a flex. And then I tried to sit down and say something of real value. And I, I think the panel was great. I think we had a great chat. And I, I hope that the message I was trying to relay by being a little bit ridiculous physically uh, kind of resonated. How much do you bench? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> always wants to know, man. I, um, That's I, a question. That's yeah, a- <laughs> it is, I guess, a valid question. But I, I actually don't know what my max is. I don't ever max. Uh, I'm currently working a program that is 100 reps of every muscle every day. So I don't, I don't, I, my goal isn't to like really lift really heavy. It's to just, I mean, part of my goal is to get bigger. So yeah, I think it's been working, but like, I don't know what my maxes are, man. I don't ever really max out. I'm, I'm more of like a, like time under tension maximalist, if you will, like push the muscle to its limit for as long as you can. And like growth will happen. So I'm not out here trying to compete for like uh, strength competitions. Hey, I get you. And, uh, you know, good on you, too, for for doing that and not taking yourself too seriously, because I, I agree with the, you 100 percent on your point is I feel like a lot of, you know, there's a very a lot of intelligent people in Bitcoin. But, you know, every every now and then I think it, it's good to laugh, joke about yourself and and kind of have fun with Bitcoin. And, you know, a lot of it's like solving really serious stuff and really serious issues. But, you know, I think it's it's easier to kind of get that message across when you know it comes with uh, a little bit of light on it you know when you're kind of serious and present the doom and gloom and the world's going to end and and all this and that uh, i think it you know some people just kind of get turned off by it you know they're they're like okay well i know the system's fucked up or you know they see inflation running rampant right now and and it already has them down so they don't want to hear about all the problems going on and how you know this internet money or whatever it it that they don't understand already fixes it they want to you know maybe have a joke about it or talk about it over you know a drink or or something along those lines and just kind of relax and and have fun and a casual conversation opposed to you know just hammering the points so i think you know it it was good and and i i found it like pretty lighthearted, but also very informative too so good on you for that thank you i mean I think pleb lab has been a prime example of it, man. We have 10 people in a room who just like really love one another. It's a great crew of guys who just like genuinely care about the friends in the office with them. We spend all day joking around, being ridiculous, having a good time. But like within that ecosystem of like friends who are just like having a good time, we build a lot of really cool and really serious shit. Like, Super Testnet, I swear he releases like a new product on Bitcoin like every other day. It's it's mind numbing, like the kind of productivity that's happening in this office when all of these different people are like sitting, sharing ideas and like collaborating with one another. And it doesn't like again, it doesn't have to be like suit and ties and like stuffy and like nine to five, like look at the clock and like wait to go home. It's like, you can just come in and have a good time, man. And like, listen, it will be open on the weekends. If you don't get as much done during the week as you hope. And like our office is open 24 hours a day, do whatever you want, man. But like, I don't know, just build cool shit. And like, that's pretty easy to do in like a really chillaxed environment, man. So just have fun while you do it is the thesis here, man. Just like build cool shit and have a good time while you do it. (laughs) That's awesome. Build cool shit. And I think too, like, you know, the the awesome thing about the Bitcoin community and, and that the vibe that you guys are putting off too is that everybody's very passionate about what they're doing. So, you know, they, they kind of understand the issue and they want to contribute. They want to figure out ways that they can help. And, you know, I think that's, you know, one of the powerful things about uh, the Bitcoin community as a whole is just everybody 
wants to contribute and show their own proof of work to help the entire industry and the entire community. So uh, good on you for all, all the things that you do. Now let's uh, let's jump into a few um, a few current event stories that, that are kind of like off chain and things like that. Uh, you know, because I think everybody at heart is a, is a Bitcoiner. They want to see everything succeed for this space. So they kind of follow along the big news and things like that. So I'd love to hear some of your opinions on some of these big stories. The first one that I want to dive into is El Salvador hosted 44 different countries, uh, whether it was their central bankers or financial authorities to discuss financial inclusion, digital economy, banking, the unbank, and the Bitcoin rollout in El Salvador and the benefits it's had in El Salvador. So um, a little side note of this is that over 20 of these countries were located in Africa. And uh, yeah, so before I kind of get into my opinion about it, I'd love to hear your yours first. Um, I mean, obviously that's really exciting news. Um, I, I'm actually surprised the pace at which things seem to be happening with the kind of government level adoption of Bitcoin. I really don't know where it's going. I will be curious to see like what kind of value add comes from that meeting. Uh, I know a handful of the people that were involved with putting it together and they are kind of high value, high signal people. So I'm, I'm certain it was a really spectacular event that will spawn something of value. Um, that being said, I also love that El Salvador wants to be the first Bitcoin place with a Bitcoin city. And uh, I appreciate the challenge because it has kept a fire under my ass. I'm determined to make Austin the first full Bitcoin city. Like I want Austin to be on a Bitcoin standard and uh, I will beat El Salvador to building a Bitcoin city from the ground up. So throw that in there too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, I, I have had a, a few different, um, you know, opinions about uh, Bitcoin as legal tender on, on my show. I've had one person that was actually kind of against Bitcoin becoming legal tender in countries because then, you know, there's kind of some regulations or things like that. Um, and then I've had others, you know, that are, that are all about Bitcoin adoption and, you know, think that that power is is tremendous. So um, I think there's kind of like both ends of the spectrum, but I think overall, this is this is great in my opinion. I think, um, you know, countries in Africa, uh, you know, we just had Central African Republic make Bitcoin legal tender. Although I had uh, Paco at Run With Bitcoin on my last podcast episode earlier this week, and he actually said that the Central African Republic is going to create their own coin, kind of similar to Miami coin. Um, so maybe they'll get rug pulled, unfortunately, like Miami coin seems to have uh, been. But it seems like, you know, Bukele is being a great ambassador for the Bitcoin space as a whole. I like to call him Big Balls Bukele because it seems like anytime somebody tries to hit him with some sort of, you know, negative publicity or something kind of happens, like maybe there's a bump in a road or anything, he just kind of doubles down. And I think, you know, as a whole for the Bitcoin space, that's what you need is like a small, either a city like you guys are doing in Austin or like a small country that is just like getting on the Bitcoin standard where, you know, maybe some of these restaurants or some of these places or, or users aren't, aren't having the, the best experience that they could possibly have down the road, but it leads to more development and it leads to improvements. Because I think like, you know, if a giant country like the United States, for example, rolled it out and there were some issues right away, that would cause some massive problems. But, you know, a smaller country or like down to the city level, I think there's a lot of benefits to rolling it out first and kind of rolling with some of those punches and, and some of those bumps in the road. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I think uh, El Salvador, mostly as a representation of like what's happening with the, the kind of growth and evolution of Bitcoin is, is a positive. Uh, I don't love everything about the way that they've done it. I don't love everything about um, just the, the space in general, really. But uh, I think the truth is that everything is good for Bitcoin. So I don't have to necessarily love everything that's happening everywhere at every moment in Bitcoin to love Bitcoin, to support Bitcoin and to continue to kind of drive forward the way that we want to see Bitcoin kind of grow. Uh, and I think that's one of the really unique 
things about Bitcoin with where we sit at it right now is like if you really want to put in the proof of work, if you really want to actually get involved, you have a unique opportunity to kind of help guide the direction of Bitcoin in whatever way you think is is valuable, right? Because if this thing is user driven, which it is, I mean, it's an asset, but it's also a network. The asset gets stronger, the larger the network. So the more people we plug into the network, the more opportunity we have to kind of voice where we want things to go through what we build and, and the proof of work we put into it. So exactly. And so the next story is kind of along those lines of, of what you're describing. Um, but, you know, a little bit, maybe a little slightly different is that China, I don't know if you saw this, but it, it came out that China still hold 21 percent of the Bitcoin has hash rate despite their ban i believe the ban was either last year or like late 2020 um so the government banned bitcoin mining as a whole and i saw a lot of videos going around twitter with like you know those like cement roller trucks kind of rolling over bitcoin mining machines and things like that but now um you know china is back to second in hash rate behind the united states um, and, uh, yeah, it seems like the Chinese citizens are kind of finding a way to still mine Bitcoin, although, you know, the government made it illegal. Um, so what are your thoughts on, I guess, governments trying to ban Bitcoin as a whole, like Bitcoin mining and kind of, uh, that narrative, uh, and that negative perception, but, you know, as a whole Bitcoiners trying to, tr trying to find a way. Well, I don't, they're not trying to, they are. So my take on it is come and stop me, man. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I'm not really worried about governments, regulations, bans. Fuck off. I'm just going to build cool shit. You'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's the it's like the come and take it method in Texas, right? You know, you have that flag that, that flies around all the time. And I, and I agree with you there. I think, you know, it, it's a lot of just like FUD. And it seems like the longer you're in the Bitcoin space, the more you see China ban it. So, I mean... It's just another uh, quote unquote bump in the road. But, it, you know, all the Chinese people are kind of keep doing what they're doing and keep going along the lines of uh, mining Bitcoin. So good on people those. Gonna, free people are going to do what free people want to do, man. Good luck stopping us. Yeah, exactly. The next story that I want to get into is along the lines of Jack Dorsey and Block. So Block kind of had their investor day um the other day and so what they're trying to do is kind of along the lines of what uh jack Mahler's announced at strike where um you know you could actually use cash app now to pay in bitcoin to pay merchants um so strike or block for those who don't know kind of have a couple of sub subsidiaries of their business so square is more of like a business transaction um, you know, company or subsidiary where you can, a business can get a credit card or something along those lines or the cash app card and, uh, and accept payments and cash app is another either app and you can get a debit card where you can buy, sell, you know, USD, um, uh, transact with it. You can buy and sell stocks and Bitcoin. And then they also came out saying, you know, that they're trying to develop, uh, Bitcoin miners, which was also announced at the Bitcoin mining conference with uh, Blockwares, or no, I think of it, yeah, Blockworks. I'm sorry, and uh, and they're also partnering with Tesla to use their solar powered batteries uh, to power those Bitcoin miners, and then they're also trying to develop a Bitcoin hardware wallet. So Jack Dorsey, what are your kind of overall thoughts on him for the Bitcoin space and uh, pushing Bitcoin forward? Uh, I think Jack is a true Bitcoiner. I love it. I I said, I think the day that he officially left Twitter, I was like, this is shitty for Twitter and great for Bitcoin. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. I mean, I would love to hang out with Jack. I know he's surfing in Costa Rica a lot these days, so I might have to, might have to get down there and, and catch a wave, but, uh, I think overall, uh, people like Jack are, I mean, again, everything's good for Bitcoin. So announcements like mega companies like Cash App and Block and Square all kind of being hyper-focused on Bitcoin. I don't, I, I haven't seen anything to lead me to believe that there's any kind of net negative there. So bullish on Jack, bullish on what he's working on. Uh, hope to make a connection one day and see if we can't, uh, 
find some synergies between what he does and what we do. There we go. Well, if somebody's listening, hopefully they can uh, help make that uh, connection there. But I, I do have one worry, and I'd, I'd be curious to kind of see what your thoughts on it too, is that uh, you know, the, the ESG narrative that's going on with, with Bitcoin mining. And we kind of saw it at the Bitcoin uh, conference. I don't know if you were able to listen to one of these talks, but it was with Marty Bent. And he was on stage, I believe, with um, somebody from HUD-8. I can't remember who right now. It's escaping me. But um, HUD-8 and one other mining company. And they were basically saying, you know, that at the end of the day, if they want to be a publicly traded Bitcoin mining company, they're going to have to play nice with the ESG narrative. Now, I'm not saying Jack Dorsey will do that, but he kind of has, you know, gone with censoring free speech and like other things that maybe some Bitcoiners might not agree with on Twitter. Um, so what do you, uh, I guess, think of, uh, I guess, public companies kind of get in the Bitcoin space, potentially being like hit with some heavy regulation or like the ESG narrative or something along those lines? Yeah, I think uh, having a public company makes running your company significantly more challenging. Uh, I think the idea that Jack censored free speech is uh, is a bit too simplistic in what actually happened. Uh, I think we've kind of seen just over the last couple of days with the Twitter buyout attempt from Elon, just how kind of fucked up the internal workings of Twitter really is. I don't think even if Jack had run Twitter with an iron fist that it would have done much for correcting the kind of speech issues uh, on Twitter. The company culture is, is just basically fucked. Uh, it's just run by communists who don't want to work. So the end of the day, we'll start there. I, I think that's the same thought process that goes forward with uh, running a public mining company. I think uh, overall, I think the whole ESG narrative is, is mostly kind of ridiculous. I think uh, a lot of it is, is nonsensical. I think, most of it doesn't even really matter, but ultimately I don't really give two shits what the public Bitcoin companies and public mining companies have to do. Like if you decide that the route you want to go is be a public company, then like understand that that's the tail end risk. There's plenty of ways to mine Bitcoin at scale or not at scale that are perfectly viable business opportunities that have nothing to do with being public. If you don't want to deal with the regulations and bureaucracy of being a public company, then don't be a public company. I think it's really just kind of that simple. I understand some of the value benefits that come with being a public company. There's plenty of other models that can be run. Uh, I tend to, again, skew away from the narrative of like, let's focus in on all of the doom and gloom and all of the bad. Like, yeah, you might have to deal with ESG bullshit if you decide to be a public company. But like we could also just focus on the fact that there's 10,000 alternatives to being a public mining company. So, yeah, I agree. I just think, you know, like you said, there there's alternatives and the regulations with becoming a public company or a public Bitcoin mining company just kind of worry me. Um, so uh, that's just one thing that, you know, because at the end of the day, people are going to try to regulate as much as you can. Um and try to stop Bitcoin. But, you know, as, as we've kind of shown before is they can't stop Bitcoin as much as they try to regulate or anything like that. It's all about the network and the people that are running the network. So, um, you know, as decentralized as it is, it'll be basically impossible to do that. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, maybe that this doesn't uh, affect the block business model or anything like that. And uh, that, I agree with you too that Jack wasn't probably a part of the censorship in Twitter, although he might have gotten some of that bad rap from some Bitcoiners or from some people in the public. Um, but I, I think, you know, like like you said, I think he's overall very good for the space. And it's just, you know, public companies, you got to take that. You got to accept the risk when you go public. So although there's I probably... Think, um... I think ultimately the incentives and the game theory play out, right? So 
in the short and maybe even medium term, like if you want to be a public company, especially like a public mining company, you're going to have to deal with like the whole nonsensical ESG narrative. But on a long enough time frame, the people who make the most economic value and who create the best like actual economic engine are the ones who dictate the narrative. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that Bitcoin is going to show the best economic path forward. So at a certain point in time, it's just going to be like, hey, why don't you just shut up now? Because like there's literally nothing behind any of your ridiculous claims. And like this thing seems to be working really, really well. So we're just not like it. It comes down to most of what we're talking about with like worry or concern in the Bitcoin space is like none of it really has anything to do with if it will succeed. Bitcoin really has already won. The only question that's left is at what time frame or at what speed it reaches that kind of ubiquity. That's all that's left, man. All the regulation, all the ESG, all of the attacks, all of the FUD, all of the bans. The only thing any of it does is slows down or speeds up the progress at the, the pace at which we make progress. And again, I ultimately, as an individual, come back to the belief that like, it's all nonsense. None of it really matters. Everything that's happening out there is like happening. And I, I don't have much to do with it. But what I do know is I woke up this morning and I want Bitcoin to win. So I'm going to use today to do as much for Bitcoin as I possibly can. I'm going to build as much cool shit as I can. I'm going to work with as many other Bitcoiners as I can. And at the end of the day, if all of us do that, then all of their fucking ESG narratives, man. Yeah, there we go. And I have a kind of an off-tangent question for you real quick, because I've gotten a couple uh, interesting responses to this one is, do you think that we're already kind of in a hyper-Bitcoinization state? Hmm. No. Okay, why not? Uh, I think we're getting close. I, I would say that we are not yet in a hyper-Bitcoinized state, because I I like the way I think about a hyper Bitcoinized state is if there was an overnight catastrophic event, would we be in a place the very next morning to just kind of seamlessly or at least somewhat close to seamlessly transition over to Bitcoin? I don't think we're there yet. We don't have enough builders. We don't have enough development. We don't have enough ecosystems. We don't have enough things built on top of that network to just transition everything seamlessly over to Bitcoin. I wish we did, but we don't. Um, so again, this is where I'm kind of like really, really passionate about like get up and build shit because I've heard people, like I agree with the, like the Alex Fetskis as an example, like his thesis is like the normie doesn't need to get it, right? Like eventually they'll just have no choice. The dollar will be so broken that you'll just use Bitcoin. But if that catastrophic event is coming, if we all believe that like, the moment that we kind of reach the top of the hill and then it's all downhill from there on one side of that equation. If we don't treat every day before there, like this is the moment, then like we'll build really slowly and we'll probably build things that aren't all that valuable and we'll build stuff we don't really need. We'll just be hanging out. And it's like, yes, the average person might just use Bitcoin when it's the only good option. But as a Bitcoiner, I believe things are about to be much worse than they already are. I don't want to get to that much worse moment and be right where we are today. I'd like to be as close to a seamless transition as possible so that we as Bitcoiners don't suffer more than we need to. So if like if catastrophe is coming, then today is catastrophe mode. Get up and build like the end of the world is coming. And that's another thing we just try to do here is like, look, man, we got a lot of shit to do. So get up and get it done. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, I've had people, you know, say on both sides of the coin, the other people are the other side of the coin that they state is like, you know, at the end of the day, El Salvador has made it legal tender. Now we have another country kind of coming on board as well. Um, and, you know, we have cities in the United States where if you wanted to transact, like in Austin, if you wanted to go buy coffee or buy, you know, food at Three Forks or, or something along those lines, you can do that now. Um, and it's almost, you know, anybody with an iPhone or, uh, you know, some sort of smartphone can essentially purchase Bitcoin at, in 
less than a minute if they wanted to and try to transact that or send that or anything there. I think there's a lot of great things happening for the space too. But I also think, you know, I agree with you there that there's, we're still a long ways away and we still have, uh, you know, a lot of things that we're going to have to go through and develop in order to make it seamless for the normies. And that's where I kind of come to it at the end is like, how much are we going to sacrifice or like, are we going to still, you know, the KYC issues, like, are we still going to kind of go through that with where normies are going to have to give up their data and, and everything like that? And if they want to transact in Bitcoin, I, I just there's a lot of questions that I have going forward that it's like I, I feel like a lot of things are going to be answered in the next few years as to how you know we develop and everything. But, you know, I'm excited for it for sure. I think that a lot of people like yourself and others are are building great things in Bitcoin. So good on you for that. Thanks, man. I, I I do think we're getting close. Uh, the news crew asked me tonight, like, how long until I think Bitcoin is kind of accepted everywhere? And and I I genuinely do think we're 12 to 15 years before it's basically like globally accepted everywhere. Um, so at what point are we like at what I would consider hyper Bitcoin? I don't know, 50% of the way there. So maybe in the next six to eight years, we're really, really, really going to see start things start to ramp up. I honestly knew we were early. I knew Bitcoin was early. It wasn't until I started Pleb Lab that I realized like we're actually really, 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 really early still. So I do think we're getting close that like uh, gradually then suddenly is a thing. But I would say we're still at the tail end of gradually, not the beginning of suddenly. So I think we still have some time to go. Uh, but that's cool because honestly, the the gradually part gives you a really awesome opportunity to get in and participate before it really takes off. Yeah, exactly. And I agree with you there. And I think I, every now and then I think we're getting closer to that suddenly. And then I see some video go viral of somebody asking you know, some random drunk person on the street, like what is Bitcoin or something like that. I think I saw one, it was uh, a couple girls on sixth street and they were asked, what would you rather have a hundred dollar bill or a full Bitcoin? And at that time it was like at 45,000. And uh, they all, they both of them said a hundred dollar bill because they could physically have it right there. That was their reasoning. So, um, you know, it's still like a long ways away as far as education for the normies, but I still think like, you know, once it's things start to take off, it's, it's going to be suddenly kind of like, as everybody describes gradually, then suddenly. So I'm excited for the future. And uh, something that I'm seeing too, is uh, this kind of transitions me to my next story is that coin source is a, they're very well known for their Bitcoin ATM machines. They're now partnering with quick trip which is uh, kind of a convenience store chain. They have like Quick Mart and all those kind of things. Um, where now they're they're putting 800 Bitcoin B, uh, ATMs in their convenience stores. Nice. So uh, they're kind of replacing their, I don't know if they're necessarily replacing their cash fiat uh, ATMs, but it kind of seems that way to me as like an outsider looking in from this story. Uh, it seems like kind of, you know, the USD cash ATMs are maybe less, uh, useful because there's more increasing online payments, uh, you know, from the acceptance of credit cards across the country. And because of COVID, you know, maybe people were afraid to touch dollars or whatever it was. But now uh, it seems like more and more Bitcoin ATMs are popping up. Have you ever used a Bitcoin ATM or had an experience with that at all? Uh-oh, he's pulling out a prop. So... Pleb Lab is officially an Azteco vendor, so we will sell you KYC-free Bitcoin right here at Pleb Lab. So I there guess that answer, does that answer the question? I'm not sure if that answers your question. Yeah, that answers my question 100%. So, I mean, I think that, that this is good, great for the space and, and things like that, too, because I actually had a heady walk on um, – on the podcast a couple weeks ago and he's out in uh, California kind of helps run some of those Bitcoin meetups on there. But his big thing, you know, is, is using uh, Bitcoin ATMs to get non KYC Bitcoin. So you don't have to go through one of these exchanges like this. So I think, 
you know, the more that these become accessible, uh, you know, I know a lot of them, you kind of have to go on your smartphone or other things. So in that episode, we kind of described getting a, a different email and, uh, you know, maybe like a burner phone to kind of help with it, get your Bitcoin and everything like that. But, uh, you know, as much privacy as you want, you can do that now with Bitcoin ATM. So I think the, the increasing ability to just purchase Bitcoin or walk by it even is going to make people think like, OK, like what is Bitcoin or like, you know, they're going to see the signs or this big giant thing in there. That's a Bitcoin ATM. Yeah, it's undeniable, man. I My girl actually texted me not all that long ago and she's like, my mom just sent me this and she doesn't even know you're in Bitcoin. And like, it was just like a picture of like Bitcoin accepted here at a grocery store in Western Pennsylvania. So it's, uh, it's inevitable, man. I, again, I do think we're at the very tail end of gradually. It's, uh, it's, it's fast. It's fast coming. Yeah, exactly. And I, it's interesting that, uh, she said that too, because I I've seen a couple of those at like local restaurants that I go to. And then I go up and I ask like, you know, some of the waitresses or waiters or whatnot. And like, uh, when I'm cashing out, like, oh, you guys accept Bitcoin and they're, they look at me like I have three eyes. So uh, I still think like, although some merchants are accepting it or, you know, they're getting more exposure. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. So we're still at the gradual point where we're, we're close to that tipping point, I think. So just as an experiment, try this. The next time that you're like talking to like a waitress or, or something about Bitcoin, this has been more effective for me than asking if they accept Bitcoin, where the answer is very easily just, no, we don't. Ask the question, do you want dollars or Bitcoin? Yeah, it, Brian it, Hamilton actually uh, presented that to me as well. Uh, that might be where I got it from. It, yeah. it works, man. It makes them like pause and think for a second. They're like, um... Yeah, I imagine you get a lot of people who who doesn't know or who don't know how to re respond to that. Um, but it's interesting too, because I mean, I think even at the Bitcoin conference when I was there, like a lot of those merchants they didn't even accept it, and I, I thought that that was kind of interesting for uh, you know the Bitcoin conference as a whole. Every merchant there accepted Bitcoin. Really? Because I went out and I went outside to go get some food, and we asked like, can we pay over Lightning or can we pay? through bitcoin or can we pay with bitcoin and i already i got like a few no's so. at like food trucks out like right outside the conference well inside the like little stage area where they were kind of uh i guess where the music concert went on huh yeah. yeah, I mean, every single one of them should have been accepting Bitcoin payments. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought, too. But I, after I kind of got a few, no, or like two or three no's, I just kind of quit asking because I was like, all right, maybe they're just not doing that here. I don't know. You know, honestly, I think uh, I haven't talked to them. Maybe I will. We're doing I think we're doing a Twitter spaces with them this week, maybe. Um, but I think Bitcoin conference every single place was accepting Bitcoin. Like they were all onboarded to Ibex accepting lightning payments. I think they could have done a better job making that obvious, like making that announcement, actually making it known that Bitcoin was an accepted payment form because I heard some of the numbers and like there were a handful of people that used it, but nowhere near as many as I think there could have or should have been for a Bitcoin conference. So to your point, even the fact that people were like getting no's when it actually was like, yes, every single place was onboarded. Um, it should have been more seamless and it should have been more awareness. So I, I hope next year I would love to see it where it's like everybody's on and everybody's accepting and it's like well announced so that everybody knows that they can. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. And I was kind of surprised too. So I kind of figured, I just assumed because, you know, it was a Bitcoin conference that everybody would. But like I said, I got a couple no's, so that kind of turned me away from asking. Um, but yeah, so on, on the next story, I do, uh, so it's kind of on the lines of people accepting Bitcoin as a salary. Uh, so another NFL player, Alex Barrett, he's a defensive end for the San Francisco 49ers, announced that he's taking his full NFL salary in Bitcoin. Um, so I think that there's been a lot of like big name stars that have either accepted some sort of payment, whether it's some, a couple game checks 
or a salary or, um, you know, maybe some sponsorship deals like uh, a couple that come to mind are Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, I think Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham. Um, and I know uh, Russell Okun, he's another big one, but he's also a veteran in the NFL. What I think is really interesting about this story is I never heard of Alex Barrett before. So I went and I looked at his stats and I don't want to rip on him or anything like that because it's extremely difficult to be in the NFL. But he's a second year guy. And last year he played in seven games for the 49ers and only had five assistant tackle assisted tackles. So what I think is like really significant about this is he's not a big name player but we're talking about him now and he's not making these multi multi million dollar contracts. Like if this guy gets a second contract, he's probably really happy. Right. So uh, the average contract or the average uh, lifespan in the NFL, I think is like three or four years. Uh, The joke is it stands for not for long. So if he's kind of diving in here and uh, accepting his full salary within his second or in his third year of his contract, I think that's, extremely significant so what do you think about uh you know a lot of these athletes getting into bitcoin space and kind of i guess promoting it uh in that sense i think it's great i mean uh ultimately i don't really watch sports anymore so i don't know who most of these people are like you name like a tom brady or like an aaron Rodgers. like obviously i know who those guys are um I think it will be more significant when we have like an announcement where like something like Walmart is like, we'll pay all of our employees in dollars or Bitcoin. And like, you can just choose. Um, I, I, I think the idea that we see these athletes and things kind of understanding, especially guys like players in the NFL, where to your point, it's like, I'm not going to be here very long. This is kind of like the one shot I have at being around for a while and making probably the best salary of my life. Why do I want to put it in Bitcoin? Because something about Bitcoin is screaming to me that this might be like a safe place to actually store my value while I'm actually still earning it. Um, I think it speaks volumes to what Bitcoin is capable of doing for a store of value. But I, I think it would be a much more significant story to start hearing this like trend of just like everyday Joe that you don't know about who's actually starting to take a salary in Bitcoin. Yeah, I think to my knowledge, the only company that I've heard that can kind of offer or that has offered that like in all aspects is is MicroStrategy. And I'm sure, you know, people like you and I, we have access to Strike in, in the United States. So we technically could do that if we wanted to set up a direct deposit. And there's other ways of doing that. Um, I know like there's a couple of small gas stations I've seen uh, in Texas, actually, that that have uh offered it to their employees where they can pay them full in Bitcoin. Um, But no big names like a Walmart or an Amazon or something along those lines. So I'd be curious to kind of see which one of those is like the first mover. I still think like a lot of these big companies have a lot of development that they can do in order to accelerate the Bitcoin space. Um, Like one that comes to mind is just Apple is like you know apple already has the apple pay and things like that it would be really cool to see if you can like you know connect your lightning node or something along those lines to apple pay so when you go to pay a merchant instead of uh you know there's there's been technology with cards or anything or you got to scan a qr code you could just simply tap um to kind of pay with lightning i think that would be you know another big step too but i think like you said the average joe uh accepting their full uh, salary in Bitcoin is still, I think, a good ways away um, for you know these big name companies. I, I also think that some of these big name companies are like probably never actually going to do it, and and or will be very very late to do it. And uh, a lot of them will not be as big as the companies that we develop currently that end up being the kind of replacements to these legacy systems. So. Uh, I, there are companies out there that are working on like comms channels over lightning. Uh, you just like add a hardware component to that and you have like a very legitimate competitor to something like Apple and their iPhone and AT&T and their network. So I would say they either do or they die, man, you adopt or you die. If in 1992, you weren't thinking about or looking at an internet strategy 
you were going to be screwed in like the next five to 10 years. And if you're not looking at a Bitcoin strategy in 2022, in the next two to five years, man, you're going to be screwed because we're just going to build all of the replacements and bigger, better things on Bitcoin. So they adapt or they die, man. That's where we're at. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it's interesting too, is like a lot of people kind of see these big companies like, you know, Meta now or an Apple, Google and uh, Amazon and some of these others. And they think that they're too big now that they can't fail. But if you look back, you know, historically, like 20, 30 years, those top name companies were not an Apple, Google or anything like that. And like one that comes to mind is like an AOL. And it's like, what is AOL kind of doing now these days? And uh, a lot of these big name companies just, you know, they, they have a meteoric rise and then eventually they kind of fall or they get passed up by, you know, first movers. And that's where I think a lot of these Bitcoin companies can kind of come in and, and show some success. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the idea that anything is too big to fail, like it might be technically true in a fiat standard, but as we know, like as we move closer and closer to a Bitcoin standard, which means a proof of work standard, you either continue to create value or you, you disappear. So it will actually create a model where too big to fail is no longer a thing. You don't get bailed out. You don't get government subsidies and equities. You just literally produce things that people want or somebody else does and you lose to the competitor. So I think we're moving back towards a much more dynamic marketplace where there's probably more companies. Um, I think we'll still have a lot of really large companies, um, but I, but I think the marketplace is going to look significantly different under a Bitcoin standard than it does currently. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. All right. So now the last story that we got here, it's about the state of Texas. So, a large uh, Texas landowner, actually three companies uh, have partnered up, Texas Pacific Land Corporation, the ticker is TPL, uh, Mawson Infrastructure Group, MIGI is the ticker, and Jai Energy, I, th- I believe it's JAI Energy, have joined forces to develop 60 megawatts of Bitcoin mining on TPL's land in West Texas. So... As a guy that's moved into Texas and has, uh, you know, a lot of exposure to a ton of different things that's going on down there. So uh, that comes to my mind is, you know, obviously BitDevs is big in Austin, but uh, I believe the Bitcoin mining space, as far as like the oil and gas industry is also very huge in the city of Houston. Um, So what do you think, I guess, is the future of Texas as a whole? I know you want kind of Austin to become the Citadel, but do you see Texas as becoming like almost a full on state, just super friendly to Bitcoin? I mean, Texas already is a state super friendly to Bitcoin. So that's not like a thing coming down the pipeline. That's a thing that's already here. Um, uh, like what level does, does like our system decentralize and localize? I don't really know. Uh, I don't have a crystal ball. I am uh, kind of a fan of the idea of hyper-localized and hyper-decentralized. I would rather see like the city-state of Austin making friendships with the city-state of Houston um, over just like the states of Texas. For me, Texas is like too big and still too far removed for like a taxation system. And in a system where we like choose to pay taxes, I don't really want to give it to the states of Texas. It's too big. I don't really know that it would be an effective use of my capital. But inside like Austin and like the surrounding areas, if governance models got built out that actually got large scale operations done, I'd be willing to pay a small amount of taxes to make sure that the lifestyle and the like ecosystem I like to participate in actually functioned. Um, will that happen overnight? Probably not. Will there probably be like a decentralization at a larger state level before a city state level? Probably. Uh, And then ultimately, like I started this kind of ramble off. I I mean, Texas is already very pro Bitcoin. I don't see that trend slowing down. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, you made an interesting point about hyper localization there too. And I'm just wondering if, 
you know, kind of uh, other cities in Texas see what's going on in Fort Worth. Um, so Fort Worth, those who don't know, announced, um, I believe, a couple weeks ago that their mayor's office is going to start mining Bitcoin. They got three Bitcoin miners donated to them, and they're just going to kind of keep them in the back room just running at all times and and see how this uh, quote unquote experiment works. So. I wonder if, you know, if, if it, we get to this localized state, if a lot of uh, cities will kind of follow that path where, you know, maybe the mayor's office or um, some local governments is kind of mining Bitcoin opposed to, you know, maybe charging a tax just to, in the end, you know, pay for different infrastructure and other things. Um, so, yeah, I'd just be kind of curious, kind of see how that develops. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe putting my brain in a little bit of a pretzel right now. Uh, it's a fascinating time to be a Bitcoiner, man. We got a lot going on. It's impossible to keep up with all of it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, you've been very generous with your time, and I know you sprinted across town to get here. So, Kyle, thank you so much for coming out and joining me. Uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and what else you got you got going on? Yeah, thanks, man. It was a great chat, so thanks for having me. I, uh, I don't feel like I'm as sweaty or as stinky as when I first got here. So it's been a, it's been a good time to calm down. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. My personal account is the Bitcoin bum underscore after every word. Um, find us at Pleb Lab. That's where we really have everything going on for what we're building here in Austin. If you are a builder and you're out there and you're looking to get involved in the Bitcoin space, but don't really know how to break in, check us out at pleblab.com. Uh, we are in the process now of kind of finalizing our first raise. We're going to be moving into a new office probably here soon. Uh, we've got some big announcements we still have yet to make as far as how we're planning to support and help foster the Bitcoin lightning development scene. But uh, if you're out there and you're looking to build, man, you could do worse than to be in Austin. So reach out, say hello, and let's let's see how we can help one another. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think Austin's showing uh, showing the way for other cities across the globe to kind of how uh, how they could do it, too. So um, good on you for everything that you do for Bitcoin and Bitcoin community. And uh, next time I'm in, I'm in Austin, I'm going to make it out to a Bitcoin meetup. So, um, yeah, I look forward to meeting you in person and uh, yeah, hanging out and talking some shop. So there's a meetup like every day, man. So just reach out whenever you're here. Yeah, for sure. All right, Kyle. Thank you so much. Thanks, dude.